Support for this WXAV podcast is being provided by Bookies, new and used books. Located at 10324 Southwestern Avenue in Chicago. With a second location at 2015 Ridge Road in Homewood, Bookies specializes in new and used books. Their selection includes new releases, children's books, and bestsellers. For more information and upcoming events, please visit bookieschicago.com. You can also find them on Facebook by searching Bookies Chicago. This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best podcasts to you. Whether you love it or hate it, music is everywhere. It plays an important part in our cultures and our lives. It is a reflection of an artist's personal experience and environments. Music can help us relate to new love and heartbreak. Music can tell personal stories and offer us insight into our current political climate. There's a certain subject area that the music industry seems to ignore, and that's mental illness. Mental illness is very prevalent in the music industry, and this won't be a surprise to those paying attention to the world of music. Unfortunately, many artists have struggled with depression over the years. Kirk Cobain and Nirvana, Ian Curtis of Joy Division, Earl Sweatshirt, and countless others. It's unfortunate to see so many musicians suffering with mental illness, and it's a shame to see the music industry addressing this issue so poorly. Musicians' work has a definite impact on their fans. And in this podcast, I'll be examining how these three artists and how their mental illness impacted their music and how their music impacted their fans and the world of music. Nirvana was a grunge and alternative rock band that formed in the late 80s but didn't gain popularity and mainstream success until the early 90s. Records like Nevermind and In Utero have left their mark in rock history, but the late Kurt Cobain, the frontman of Nirvana, left an even more impacting legacy on his fans. Kurt Cobain truly was a game-changing artist for me and many people of my generation. This is Stuart Berman. He's a contributor for the lovely folks over at Pitchfork. I found out about him after reading his review from Nirvana's In Utero, and I was able to talk to him about Kurt Cobain and the struggles he went through. I think in Nirvana, like, Nevermind at least, you know, there was definitely an angst there, um, but it didn't feel like it was crossing that line to the point where you were worried about the guy's well-being. It still felt like it was sort of just a communal release of anger and frustration and boredom. Um, you know, it was a very empowering feeling more than a than a depressing feeling. I think what happened is once he kind of went through the fame ringer, um, you know, you sensed a lot. It became a lot more unsettling on in utero, and you know, he went through a lot in those two years between those records. Um, just you know, being catapulted to fame and to the point where like Vanity Fair are doing like these in-depth exposés on your personal life and. That was just a completely foreign world for them, for him. And, you know, he had a hard, it seemed like he had a hard time navigating it. And, of course, you know, he had well-documented substance abuse problems, which he always attributed to stomach pain that he had, chronic stomach pain. But, you know, who knows the full story there. Um, but, yeah, when you get to in utero, it's, it's yeah, it's it's almost hard to listen to that record today because, in hindsight, you know, given what happened just a few months later, you know, every song feels like this sort of like send off, like he's like he's punching out, he's done. 
And Berman brings up a great point here. It's easy to forget that the rock stars we idolize are human too. Some of them aren't cut out for the celebrity lifestyle, and being thrown into it without any preparation, as Berman said, can be a real shock to the system. However, there is some hope. Berman talked about Canadian record label Royal Mountain Records that has begun looking out for the needs of their artists. They've just introduced a mental health fund where all the artists on their label can access $1,500 a year to put towards any kind of mental health care. And it's like a non-recoupable expense. They don't have to pay it back out of royalties. It's just like, here's $1,500. Go take care of yourself. And it's, you know, it's amazing that more labels don't have something like that because it has become so essential. And, you know, we need to start thinking about mental health in the same way, like labels think about marketing budgets and tour support and video budgets. Like it should be something you invest in because ultimately it's better for the long-term health of the label and especially the artist. While the record labels do their job of looking out for the artist, we as fans need to do our job too and stop idolizing the archetype of the tortured artist. Berman says it's a dangerous way of thinking that does not help in any way. You know, when you do that, you're not thinking of these artists as people with lives and families that care and friends that care about them and are worried about their well-being and I, you know, I feel like those days are gone. Like we, I think we have a much more proactive, or we're we're starting to have take a much more proactive approach to looking out for artists' mental health. After talking to a music reviewer, I wanted to get the perspective of a music fan. I was able to talk to my classmate and fellow music lover Dallas Haywood about Earl Sweatshirt. I initially brought him on to talk about Sweatshirt. However, this unexpectedly turned into a greater discussion of relatability in the music industry. Dallas gave me a lot to think about. Here is some of that discussion. It was a surprise to me when I found out that Earl had uh, or was going through you know, depression. Right. Um, and then would you say that something like that would reflect in his music? Yeah. Um, whether it be lyrics, whether it be the uh, beat, like the rhythm or melody, I'll... I'll he tries uh, to express that in like a lot of different ways, which is really cool to me. But I think it kind of gets overlooked, kind of like the fact that he is depressed because like I guess he relates to people, but people don't see it as like, oh, he needs some help too. But like people's fans see it more as, oh, somebody else is going through what I'm going through. So it's more a coping mechanism for fans, but we're not helping Earl Sweatshirt much. So you, know, you so you think fans are overlooking what he's going through? Yeah, I, I think so because like you want to be relatable to an artist, but it's it's a kind of it's a funny aspect now is we're talking about depression. Like he kind of helps you because you know you're you're happy that you have somebody that you look up to that you can relate to like you might be going through some things, but what are we like you don't really think about if anyone's helping the artists actually are, like how they're coping with whatever they're doing. I never really thought about it like that. Yes. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I mean, and, and do you view the music in a different way when you learn that an artist is, is going through something like that? I do because it's, um, especially getting older now, you, you really don't like, Maybe as a youth, you didn't pay attention to lyrics that much, but as you become more conscious and aware of things, when you get older, I think you have to, especially when certain like certain lyrics and things jump out at you or certain news that 
people like, uh, for example, rest in peace, Mac Miller. Like, people didn't know he was going through it until he kind of came out and said, I'm taking this and this and this, and then people got scared. But he had been hinting at it in his music for forever. And do you think it generally helps when an artist will talk about it, either in music or in in interviews? Yeah, I, I think... Um, Especially for me, I, I love watching my favorite artists in interviews because you obviously you take them outside of that musical element and you kind of, if an artist like accepts to do an interview, it's probably going to be real personal. So it's it's real good to like pay attention to those things and kind of see what kind of person they are and what they're actually wanting you to get out of the music too. So. Going back and listening to my interviews with Stuart and Dallas, I began to realize something. You see, I started this project looking for answers. I wanted to know why the music industry was ignoring mental illness and artists. I thought there was a problem. It wasn't until recently that I took a look at myself and realized I was part of the problem. After my interview with Berman, I thought about any artists other than Cobain that I would classify as a tortured artist. My mind immediately went to Ian Curtis of Joy Division. Curtis was depressed. He had a drinking problem. He was epileptic, which hindered his ability to perform on stage, and when he had finally had enough, he took his own life. I am fascinated with his story every time I hear it. Curtis's story is no doubt tragic, yet I absolutely love it. You can hear the distress and anguish in Joy Division's music. Curtis's pain is front and center for everyone to see. That's when I realized I had involuntarily put Curtis into that tortured artist archetype. And why was I so taken aback when Dallas said that listeners overlook the struggles of an artist and focus on the relatability of their music instead? I knew this. I knew this because this was my experience. I love listening to music that is relatable to me, yet I don't think past that. An artist will write an emotional and personal song, yet I don't think about what it means for the artist. I think about what it meant for me. I thought I was better than that, but I guess not. But now I know how to be better. I can now be the listener who can start to see artists for their humanity and not idolize their pain. This has been a podcast by Cesar Torres. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much for listening to this WXAV 88.3 FM podcast. Be sure to visit our website, WXAV.com, for more information on your escape from Ordinary Radio.